Listen to ordinary people who lead extraordinary lives. Their leadership styles forever impressed in the hearts and minds of people, be it in their professions, personal life, and or in communities by being an example of greatness. Be inspired by these personal stories and prepare to be both moved and motivated as Maurice Manley II, the serial entrepreneur, interviews present and future icons. Challenge yourself to recognize the leader that lives within so that you may continue to grow and experience amazing things in life. We are all capable of leadership. Take charge and lead up. This is episode number 65, Drawing the Perfect Illustration of Life. We had the honor and privilege to talk with graphic artist, cartoonist, and art extraordinaire, Obi Harris. His unique way of conveying life messages through his art is beyond genius. Obi's psychology around self-doubt and uncertainty keeps him centered so that striving for greatness remains possible. Let's jump into this insightful conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, Obi Harris. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Up. Today joining me, the talented, unbelievable, and bear with me as I try to pronounce his name, but he's going to correct me, Obi Arasukwu. 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 Yeah, trust me. That's why I go by Obi Aras on social media, because it's a lot easier to pronounce and spell. Yes. And you're originally, are you from Nigeria, or you just, uh, both your parents are... Nigerian like were you born there or no I was born in Houston Texas but okay. both my parents are from Nigeria okay yeah how often do you go back I've been back technically three but only two I can remember I think the first time I was like one years old um, I, don't, I don't know why they would bring me back at one it seems kind of dangerous to me <laughs> but um, I think when I was 16 which was crazy because I just turned 16 and I wanted to get my license and so mm. I was kind of disappointed but the trip ended up really, really well, going really well at the very end. And then I believe 2018, uh-huh. March, I went by a grandmother. We did our memorial out there. And me being older, I got to really value the experience and, and see everything, see really, really, you know, be within the culture, be within the city and inside the village and everything that came around. That was like mm. a beautiful experience. Very, very enlightening and, and, and eye-opening. I'm sure. What was the biggest takeaway for you? Um, Just how much... Um, my parents, what they did to put me and my siblings in the position we are right now. Because going out there, you realize like it's a struggle. Like we didn't mm. go to Lagos. We're in, in uh, Oweri and we're in the village where my dad grew up at. Okay. And being in that village, you see how how tough people have it, right? And then you see how much my parents, they give back to their community, back to their families to give them a better life out there. And the fact that not only are they doing that, they're trying to take care of us as well. And wow. so, yeah, so they, they're, they're feeding so many mouths and so many families, so many communities. This really made me appreciate everything they've done. Mm-hmm. When you went back, was it like a uh, kind of like a rites of passage type thing or it, it wasn't that deep? You just kind of went visit fam? No, it wasn't that deep. For, it wasn't deep as a rites of passage. Now, it was a lot of people like, you no, know, we don't get to see our 
family that much, right? Okay. We have way more family over there than we have here because immigration is so hard for them to get over here. Mm-hmm. So it was like they were happy to see us, you know, happy to talk to us, happy to see their kin from America come into town. But it was really more of a celebration for my grandmother. So mm-hmm. when there's like a passing a memorial, it's sad, but it's also celebrating someone's life. Yes. So it was like a big festival that we had out there. Like we had like, it was almost like a marching band was out there playing and, you know, wow. playing the music and dancing outside, big parties, you know, church, you know, uh, my father brought in um, some choir from, I, I forgot what city, but they're like beautiful, like the way they sung. And I think that's the biggest thing is that you get a big stigma when it comes to, you know, African culture, Nigerian culture, because the only thing they really show you is like people are in poverty. Like sure. we're not doing anything, right? right? People barefoot, people not wearing any clothes. When that's not, you know, yeah, it's not the, the reality. It's not, no. Right. And so when you go to choir, you see these these choir members who are singing like they can literally be um, successful professionals out here. When you see the way that people act and, and the way that people dress and the culture and, mm. and traditions out there, it's so much more that you know you value and you appreciate being out there and actually getting to see it for yourself. So let me ask you, what, do you, what would you say is the um, biggest difference in terms of mindset between uh, people in Nigeria mm-hmm. and people here in the States? Oh, they work out there. I remember us driving out of the village and I see a little girl. This was heartbreaking. She had one arm, right? Little girl, one arm. Maybe mm. she was like four years old, five years old. Like the other arm just missing. From the elbow, Oof. gone. Mm. And she's pushing a wheelbarrow. She's four. 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 You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Where us out here, you got somebody who's 34 who won't push a wheelbarrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Cable doing all the like they hustle, they grind. Like for them, it's not only about life, it's about survival. It's yes. about family. Out here, we we take a lot of things for granted. Okay. Yeah. How much of that did would you say is naturally in your DNA? Oh, it's instilled in us. Yeah. Because being with immigrant parents, mm-hmm. like they had to work so hard to get over here that they don't want to see their children have to go through what they went through. Right. And so because of that, they're constantly pushing us to be better, to do better. And because there's always like beating into us, mm-hmm. when we've gotten older, I think that's why you see a lot of the excel a lot a lot more at higher rates because that mentality is always in us mm-hmm. and it stays within us. Mm-hmm. And for me, for example, I continue to do what I want to do because I don't want to, how can I say, I don't want my parents what they've done for me and what they instilled to me in me to go to waste. So I'm constantly pushing it and constantly trying to, to, to be great at, at, at my craft and my success. Now you, you have an older brother, uh, older brother and older sister, older brother, older sister. Yeah. Now your brother, I heard you say earlier offline that he inspired you to, st- to begin drawing. Inspired, or or maybe he showed you, or I'm gonna say show because he, he has he has no drawing skills whatsoever. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, none, none. But, but he showed you how to he, draw. He showed me. Yeah, he was the first one to show me. It's crazy because my sister was the closest one, but she just stopped drawing, and um, I just took it from there. But they're like both wildly successful. So for the people that are listening, this man's artwork is crazy. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> Retarded, for lack of better word. <laughs> And I'm amazed that you said he doesn't draw, but he showed you how to draw 
and the level that you're at now. Yeah. It's, and, and so he showed you how to draw a Ninja Turtle. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, um, it was like a raggedy Ninja Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was raggedy. I don't have the book on me now. That's no, cool. Yeah, I, but I, I saw it earlier, yeah, but. But he had a bean mouth, with like a little cap head and like an infinity, it's, it's really raggedy the way it looked. And I just took it from there and just kept drawing it and, and loving it. And I remember going to, I don't know if anyone out here in Los Angeles ever heard of Fiesta. No, I'm not, I, I don't know. So I, I know in Houston, Fiesta is a grocery store, right? Um, primarily a Hispanic grocery store. And where we live that, we live by Fiesta. And these Fiestas, like you, you can buy like fruits, you know, regular grocery stores, or you can pay like your light bill there. And it was, it was all kind of stuff you can do there, right? And um, at this Fiesta, I remember they had like, there's one of those like paint by number books. Hmm. And one was a Ninja Turtle. And I think it was like my birthday was coming around. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I want this, I want this. My mom was like, this is your birthday gift. You want this, your birthday gift. Now she gave it to me. And I remember just painting it by numbers the entire time. You said by numbers. It was like one of those, you get a sheet of paper and it has like one, two, three, four, like one means red, two means oh, blue, yeah. that kind of thing. Okay. And I'm just sitting there all day, just painting this Ninja Turtles book. And you're how old? I'm probably at this time, maybe like, I had to be at least three or four. Okay. Because I remember we lived in this apartment, like a small apartment, and then we moved into a home when I was like around four years old. So it was around that time. Wow. And you, you painted it over with the same color or you just with like, you'll paint number two red and yeah. then go back and paint it blue? Well, or? it'll be like number two is red. So anything that has the number two on it and that shape, I'll paint red. Anything okay. that has the number three in it, I'll paint like green. Okay. Whatever it was. I, I don't, I know this was around the time Super Nintendo's kind of came out. Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean, Nintendo. Nintendo, the first one. Yeah, the first one. So that's, Nintendo came out like 87, something like that? Something, yeah. But well, yeah, 86. 86, but we probably got ours around, because I was born in 86, so we probably got ours like around like 88, 89. Okay. Yeah. And, and so he gave you that, that beginning. He didn't take you any further. At the, you're, eight, you're three years old, mm -hmm. right? So he shows you how to draw this Ninja Turtle. And then after that, how did you keep going? Because if he wasn't a good drawer yeah. at that age, what kept you progressing? Um, I just loved it. And then in elementary school, I was put in the art club. And um, you signed up for it or somebody was like, oh, you I don't even know how I got in it. <laughs> I know. I just know. I remember I was in there. My sister was in there. My brother was in there. Huh. Right. And my brother was kind of like he wasn't even showing up because <laughs> he was like. He sucked. He wasn't showing up. <laughs> but my sister and I will always go in there all the time. And so I don't even know how. I just remember just being in there. And I, don't, I, don't, I wish, I think my art teacher's name was Miss Greenwood, something like that. But she was like this older lady who was just always like, like I was like her prime student. I was like her teacher's pet. Wow. I remember I got in trouble one time and she was like, Obi. I expect more from you than this, right? And <laughs> but it was weird, like, and I remember, like, in first grade, like, winning like an uh, uh, art contest for like the Houston Rodeo. Um, it was just weird. I don't, I don't, I can't even tell you how I got into it. Oh, this is also an interesting story. Okay. Um, coming back to Ninja Turtles, since yep. it's my favorite cartoon. I remember I was in preschool. My brother had just got this um, Ninja Turtle action figure. It was a Raphael. We could open the back. And you put his weapons in. Yep. You know I remember that. Yeah. I remember. And I remember I begged my brother. I said, please let me take this show and tell. 
It was like, no, he had just got it that day. And I was like, please <laughs> let me take the show and tell tomorrow. He was like, no. I was like, please, please. He was like, all right. So I took the show and tell, put it in my cubby, nap time. When I woke up, it was gone. Oh. And I remember coming back and telling my brother the toy was missing. My brother was so pissed. And mind you, like, no, there's no Amazon family. Yeah. Like, we're not making money like, you know, we used to, like, that was, like, scarce to get right. that. And the look in my brother's eye, like, broke my heart for, like, years and decades. And so on my 30th birthday, I ended up going on Amazon, <laughs> finding the same exact, no, eBay, finding the exact same Ninja Turtle. And I threw a 30th birthday party and giving that to my brother. Wow. On my 30th birthday, like, that same Ninja Turtle. And then he gave it to his son, and his son's like, kind of do it. So, like, <laughs> but, but at least, like, I got to, like, you know, close yeah, that you, chapter. You paid yeah. that debt. Yeah. Oh, and it hurt me, like, for, for years on end. Wow. Yeah. I remember those days of taking toys to school, go to sleep, or, or go off and play somewhere, and come back, and it's missing. It's gone. And I used to be, like, I was so, I have, like, a fear of dolls. Like, like dolls, like, coming to life. Like, you know the Goosebumps oh, book? Yeah, like, yeah, Not a Living yeah. Dummy? Uh-huh. Or like Chucky? Oh, Chucky. Oh. <laughs> don't mess with Chucky. I don't mess with Chucky. I don't mess with Chucky. And so I used to have all these stuffed animals. So I used to always sleep with all my stuffed animals because I didn't want to show any favoritism. Yeah. Because I didn't want any of them waking up in the middle of the night and striking me. <laughs> I didn't want them killing me. I used to have like Buster Bunny from like Tiny Toons here, my Ninja Turtle there. Like... <laughs> That reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you saw it. It's an old movie, uh, Tales from the Hood. Yeah, with those little nigglets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, those, like, I don't watch those nigglets, Chucky. What's the thing, Annabelle? Oh, yeah. I don't Annabelle, watch anything. Yeah. It, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Poltergeist got me back in the day. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah so real quick, one scene um, is storming, brain, and the kid is counting the seconds in between the lightning and the thunder, and he has this stuffed animal, and it's a clown, and it's sitting like diagonally from his bed, mm-hmm. and, and the chair is just rocking, and the clown is there. I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it. It's a toy. <laughs> it's a stuffed animal, but it's a clown, and the clown is just sitting in the rocking chair going back and forth, and he's counting you know, yeah. between the, the lightning and the thunder. He looks away outside the window because it's this tree that's like swaying, you yeah. know, outside and is giving a shadow in his room and he's scared. Yeah. He turns and looks back at the rocking chair. The clown is gone. Clown ends up under his bed. So he sees, he sees the rocking chair and the clown is missing. So he freaks out and he's like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. He goes, he looks under and the clown like jumps up and like chokes him. After that, I went in my room. I took all my stuff down. <laughs> Threw no things in the closet. <laughs> I was I, done. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do that. I, I I couldn't do that. I think my sister had like a tickle me Elmo. Yeah. And it would just all of a sudden be like it'll pop up and go play with me, man, play with me. I was like, get that out. <laughs> like Teddy Ruskin, we had one that like the mouth broke off, oh, and it yeah. like it was like. Yeah, yeah, he looks yeah. sick. So so with that clown, is that where the move? I never seen that part of Poltergeist. Is that where the I think it was called. It's called Scary Movies. What's it, with the Wayne uh, Brothers? Yep. And that's, that's where that scene came that's, from when the clown was under the bed. Yep. Oh, okay. that's it. That's <laughs> original Poltergeist. 
That, yeah, I was done. <laughs> but you know, I still have my, I have a stuffed animal from when I was one years old, Ninja Turtle. Uh-huh. My brother said he gave it to me. I don't believe him. I don't believe that. I'm going to start giving him credit for things. So, but uh, I remember like I gave it a haircut in like the living room one time. It's like green fur all over like the carpet. I got like major trouble, but I still have that stuffed animal. Wow. Like it's literally in my apartment now, like sitting on top of a shelf looking over me. Yeah. Oh. So let me ask you, what do you think draws people into your artwork? That's a good question. I never got that question before. I've always got like what inspires you, but I never got what draws. And um, it's interesting because I follow a lot of artists and I see a lot of artists who are incredible and can create artwork within like hours, Hmm. within days. I mean, hours are within a day and it's, I mean, from beginning to end, we have the person, you have the background, you have the color, the shadow, mm-hmm. the highlight, and everything is, is beautiful and it's perfect. I've never been that person to be able to create something I feel on a high quality level within a couple of hours or within a day. Mm. Um, a lot of times my artwork takes anywhere from two days to five days I, because I'm, I'm constantly going back and reworking, seeing what I can do, how I can you know really push it. Um, the ideas behind it. I think, for instance, I created something recently to um, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle artwork. And that one, I thought I was going to drop it maybe like two, three days earlier, but I kept retooling it and fixing it, right? Um, I also like to see, okay, what can I do that's different and a little more significant? Something that um, will have people thinking. And so with that one, I remember when I was thinking about what to replace Mona Lisa's um, for, for anyone who hasn't seen the art, it's pretty much the Beyonce and Jay-Z um, ape shit video when they're in the Louvre and they're standing in front of the Mona Lisa. And because everything has happened with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle with the UK and them saying you know, goodbye to Europe and come to North America, I said, all right, let me go ahead and put a mashup of those two with Beyonce and Jay-Z. Um, and it's interesting because on my caption, I put when black royalty meets uh, British royalty. And there were some people there like, Meghan Markle, she's not black royalty. Right. And it was more of, no, I was talking about Jay-Z and Beyonce. Yeah. Right? But I was like, how can I mesh them two together, especially being that um, Jay-Z and Beyonce show so much respect and love to, to Meghan and Harry. And I was like, hey, how do I switch this Mona Lisa in the background to make it significant? Mm. And knowing that Prince Harry um, has witnessed what happened to, her, to his mother, and seeing the same thing going on to his wife, I was like, this is super impactful. So it was things like that, those, those, that extra push, you know, to, to make something different, to put a little a message in there, I think really draws people into my artwork. Like when I did the thing, This is America with Childish Gambino, mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people doing the typical him pointing the gun, right? Maybe they showed him dancing a little bit. And... I remember I wasn't going to draw it at first. I told my cousin I wasn't going to draw it because everybody was doing it. And so the next morning I woke up, watched the video again, did more research. And I was like, okay, now that I see what the message is behind the video, let me do something different. And so I showed Child Gambino dancing. I showed him with the kids. Right? I gave it the, um, since it's called This in America, I gave it a color palette of red, white, and blue. But what really pushed is that in the background, because the song was more about gun violence and, and brutality in the background of the image when you see Child Gambino and the kids dancing very light where it's faded if you zoom in you can see police officers holding guns to a black man with his hands up 
Wow. And it's those little details that I like adding to my artwork that really, I think people enjoy seeing that kind mm. of stuff. So it's a lot of, a lot of thought. It's a lot of thinking, yeah. Like when, I, when I'm done creating an art, um, a piece of art or a comic strip, that day, I can't do anything else. Like I'm mentally fried. Like I'm done. Like, and, and that's another thing where um, I think that's what's different because maybe people can feel the, the energy and the passion and just the, the, the thought that's going into it. Mm. And I, I'm guessing that's why, yeah. Oof. Sorry, I'm just, I got caught because I started thinking about the, you say you're done, like your, your brain is fried. I'm, I'm I, like, it's hard for me to do anything else. And that's because of, it's not so, it's not so much the actual drawing yeah. that is draining you, right? It's yeah. the, it's the high level vibration of thought yes, that yes. you're putting into this drawing because mm-hmm. you're thinking about, you, you're essentially, you're telling a story. Mm-hmm. Through your through your artwork, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so to the novice or the average person that's looking, they would like. I'm looking at your um, sweater right now, yeah. and it has the cartoon images. Mm-hmm. If I were just looking at it, quick off off the rip, yeah. I was just, oh yeah, that's the Rugrats and what have you. Mm-hmm. But if you look deeper into the colors, then you would probably see various storylines or yeah. And so that's kind of what you give into it. Yeah, that is very detailed. Yeah, it's like this, right? If someone would show me a picture of this and be like, redraw this, I can redraw this and with no energy. Cause I love drawing. Like, yeah. even I have a friend who's, who says, you need to take breaks, you need to take days off, right? And I say, if I take a break or a day off, I'm, gonna, I'm still gonna draw. And she's like, no, you need to not do anything. And I told her, me drawing is not the work. That's my relaxation, you know what I mean? I love to do it. The thinking part and working into it, like, so for instance, me redrawing this, wouldn't it be a problem? But right. me doing it from scratch and putting the elements together, trying to tell the story, that's where my mind starts getting yeah. fried. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's, that's, uh, that's a lot. I don't know if many artists do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've watched artists create, mm-hmm. and some of them, it just, it's, it's real quick. And I see they're just creating an mm-hmm. image versus um, creating a, a movie or yeah. a TV show, if you will. Uh-huh. I saw the the um, Meghan Markle picture yeah. that you're talking about. I didn't look deep into it. Uh-huh. So I didn't see the Mona Lisa, but now I'm going to go back mm-hmm. and, and, and check that out. Yeah. I did, however, I did get that uh, Jay-Z, Beyonce yeah. feel. And I don't know if it was just the background or no, if my I, mind I, was able to connect. I literally was like, I had the Jay-Z, Beyonce picture. I said, okay, let me take them. I'm gonna sketch them out and then let me replace them with Meghan Markle and Prince mm. Harry. So I, I literally m- made it an ode of putting them together. Okay. Like purposely doing that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's dope. Appreciate it's it. It's dope. Man. Oh, you're welcome. And um, I don't know when it's gonna air, but my thing is that because of that, I want to start creating like exclusive art, hmm. right? 25 prints of my art, depending on what it is. And the first one is going to be the Meghan Markle, Prince Harry art. Because I already sell art now for anybody, but I want like exclusive art. Yes. So I, I sent it to my printer in Houston. I still like working with the guy because the work is so is, is quality. And so sent it, um, got it printed, um, printed. They shipped it to me. I was at Sundance. When I came back, I looked at my email. And I was like, where the hell is my artwork at? 
I saw it came in over the weekend. I got back on Monday. Someone had stole my package. What? Yeah. The package of my artwork. Then I was going to do the 25 exclusives. So um, I'm, I'm going to do it again. Okay. But this time I'm going to add something to it to where no matter who has those copies, uh-huh. those, won't be, those won't be the legit ones, the certified got ones. Got it. Yeah. Got it. But Yeah, that's smart. Mm-hmm. How difficult was it for you to trust your gift? Oh, I think that's that thing that's probably the um, one of the top two, maybe three biggest things for all artists in general mm. is to trust your style. And I'm still working on that. Really? I, I still work because there's so many artists that that I'm influenced by that I'm like, I want to do, I want to draw my eyes like that. I want to draw my hands like that. Or I want to color like this. Or I want to be able to do layouts like this or action like that, right? Mm. And so whenever I'm drawing, I, when I'm doing my, my first sketches, and this is also a thing where when you see an uh, artwork from an artist where you may just see what they drop, you don't see the ugly stuff they created before. Right. Right? Like, terrible crap. And a lot of that stuff is because I'm trying to emulate somebody else. It isn't mm-hmm. until I get out of my head and be like, okay, this is, this is my style. This is what I do. And just start drawing the way I draw. Mm. Right? And so um, it's always, it's always a, a, a problem with me, right? Until I can master that. And I think that's with anyone in general, no matter I, what field. I was yeah. just going to say that. I, I think a lot of us struggle with that doubt and mm-hmm. insecurity. And we're constantly comparing ourselves or our worth to mm-hmm. the next person. Exactly. Um, which is why I asked that question. Is, um, just wondering how you navigate and deal with that yourself. Uh, as good or as great as you are is mm. very, uh, for me, I'm just like, wow, you still having that, that yeah. battle or that tug of war. Yeah. You it's, know what I mean? It's like a basketball player. Everybody has a bad game. Yeah. Everybody struggles, right? Or sometimes you got to shoot yourself out that slump. Yes. And that's how it is. Like, I've gone days where I've drawn something. I'm like, I just can't get this right. I don't know what it is. I just can't get it right. So in, in those moments, what standard are you using to, to justify, quote unquote, right? Um, I realize that a lot of times when I'm drawing something and when I feel like it doesn't look right, I will send it to somebody or I show it to somebody and say, hey, does this look like so-and-so or what do you think about this? And get their opinion. And I realize that if I have to ask that question, then it's not, good. It's not a good drawing. If mm. I can't you know, validate it for myself, and be like, okay, this looks like the person I want to draw, then I need to start over and do it over again. Hmm. But again, it just goes back to sometimes it's not not having the confidence, not not doing it right. Sometimes when I'm thinking too hard. Yeah. Um, I think what I, t- I had to learn recently when I was doing the Kobe Bryant art, um, when I first started sketching it, um, it, lo- it was looking nothing like Kobe, hmm. right? Um, and I was like, why is this? What's going on? And I was trying too hard to visualize what Kobe would look like instead of just drawing what I see. And one thing that I've learned as an artist, being in art classes, from professors, just on YouTube, watching videos, mm-hmm. is that draw shapes, you know, draw mm-hmm. eyes, you know, learn measurement. That's the biggest thing. When you're trying to draw it by saying this is what the person looks like and trying to get everything right, for me, I'm going to fail. But if I just go back to the basics, mm. Right, circle, circle for eyes, line for nose here, put the angles, eyebrow, and then start kind of crafting it almost like clay. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I, I start, you know, it starts formulating. So once I get out of my head and go back to those basics, 
things start to, to form. But then I go to those, those, those um, periods when I'm drawing something, everything's perfect and there's this one arm. And I had it and then I just keep trying to rework it. Yeah. I get back into my head, the arm is all screwed up. I have to scrap the whole thing and start from scratch all over again. Oh. Whether the face looks good or not, I just scrap. Throw the whole thing Throw away. Throw the whole thing away. Yeesh. Yeah. Now, so was the arm really that bad? Yeah. Oh, it was. <laughs> it's one of those things that, like, for someone else, you may not be able to see it, but for me, I can see it. Like, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, and I, and we, we all, I believe, often do that. Like, yeah. we're very hypercritical of mm -hmm. ourselves. And at what point do we say, okay, it's okay, it's good? Like, for you, what is that point? So mm -hmm. if in your mind you have this supposed to be perfect arm, mm -hmm. and maybe the arm is, nobody knows yeah. what, what you really see up here in, mm -hmm. in your head versus what's on the paper. How do you, how you determine when it's good enough? I think this is a feeling. Hmm. Like last night, literally last night, because Black History Month, you know, Wale has that song, Sue Me. Yeah. And everybody's been talking about how is this is the perfect Black History Month song. Hmm. And I was like, it is perfect, right? You know, sue me, I'm voting for everybody who's black, right? Okay. And so last night I said, I'm going to draw an illustration of Wale taking the stand, hand on the Bible, fist up, uh. right? And the judge behind him was going to be Kelly Price because she's singing, you know, um, all, she's also on the track, she's featured on the track, singing on there. And I'm drawing it, and I have the hand, and the hand that's on the Bible, I keep reworking it, reworking, reworking, reworking. To the point that I had to erase the whole hat, arm and just say, get out of my head and just draw it. Mm. Right? Now, I don't think I'm ever going to actually finish this sketch or draw it. It was just something I was in the moment. I woke up this morning and I was like, mm. you know, I loved the idea last night, but I'm not really feeling it now. Mm -hmm. But it was just one of those things of saying, like, you know, just get out of my brain and just do what feels right. Right. Yeah. Right. So on the reverse side, how do you how do you ensure that you don't abuse your gift, your talent? What do you mean exactly? Mm, I think, so if we look earlier, my producer and I and, and, and Josh of Mint Magazine, shout out to Josh and um, Sharon for this interview. Appreciate you guys. Uh, we were talking about the Kobe Bryant incident. Yeah. Um, and just all of the factors that were involved from what we know, what mm -hmm. has been released and the possibility. And I've talked to some people that were very close to him mm -hmm. and he was so bullheaded and driven mm -hmm. and really pushing the limits because he's, he was or is Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Uh, so it was almost an abuse of power, mm -hmm. if you will. Uh, reaching that level or that stature in life mm -hmm. and still demanding and hence mm -hmm. this is what the the tragedy that happened yeah. so for the, the the going back to the question for you how do you ensure that you maintain your i guess for lack of better words your humility um and to continue to say you know what i do need to keep learning mm -hmm. i do need to keep studying as good as i am or as great as i am is much in, in demand that my work is, how do I make sure that I stay fist to the pavement and keep doing the work? Um, I would say there's three things. One, um, 
the people I keep around me. You don't mm-hmm. say the five people around you are who you become. Mm-hmm. So my my network of friends, I always tell them, yo, if I get out of line, check me, mm-hmm. right? Um, I never want to be that person who um, thinks they're 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 too big, too much. Even when I get compliments, right, or if I get like hit up about stuff, um, I still try to stay grounded as much as possible, right? Because they were there with me, you know, throughout. Um, I still keep them around, still in the group chats. And um, the only thing that's different between me now, how I operate now with them and before is the fact that I'm just not as available to continue the conversations in the group chats like I used to. Because mm. I'm either too busy, like, you know, drawing or working or, you know, in meetings or, or things like that. Mm. But other than that, when I do get a, get a chance to talk or go back to Houston and, and you know, connect and talk again, it's, it's like nothing's really changed outside of um, – my success is growing, mm-hmm. right? But again, like I said, still remembering, you know, where I came from, who's around me, things like that. Um, I would say the second thing being that there's so many great artists out there that I that I look up to and that that um and that inspire me and that influence me. That it's almost like golf, right? They say you can't. Um, people love golf because you can't perfect it, right? People are constantly trying to master it, and it, and you can't. Right. And that's how I feel about my artwork. So the fact that I'm always where I can't master it, I haven't mastered it, I haven't finished it yet, I'm constantly trying to get better. And me constantly trying to get better is me, in a sense, humbling, right? It's like I said, when I'm drawing the arm, and the arm to me looks like crap. That's humbling. When I'm trying to draw a face, and the face looks nothing like the person. That's humbling, right? Um, and then also when I do my comic strips, and when I drop a comic strip and someone, and I see the comments and um, someone's like, yeah, this wasn't funny. Or I think I dropped the comic strip. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the gif when it's like, uh, the person's like, this isn't it, chief. Have y'all seen that before? I, I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, little, it's, it's from uh, like Naruto or something like that. Anime. Okay. They do these hand signs, but you'll see like, this isn't it, chief, or nah, or how is this funny? Like when I read those comments, I realize like, all right, if I was here, I'm back down here again. <laughs> yeah, I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm not there yet. You know what I mean? And this remembers that, you know, I'm still human. Um, I'm not a god. You know, I'm not anywhere close to it. Um, but those reactions and those things really keep me grounded to, to put me back in my place. Yeah. Okay. So that was number two. You said it was three. No, three. that was number three. That was number three. Number okay. two is the... Um, I said number two was seeing other artists work and seeing how good they are. Got it. Got it. Okay. That um, those are great, great points that I think we can all, you know, draw from. And it's funny you mentioned the the comments because I, I think I oftentimes we go on social and we see these negative comments, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. I don't know if it really humbles us or or creates that humility. I think what it does is we end up casting down on ourselves mm-hmm. based on that comment. And it brings up the insecurities and the self-doubt. And so the, do you find that that happens with you? Like you write a comic strip, somebody's like, oh, that's not funny. And you're like, oh, man, damn, I. Well, there, there are certain comics. There's one comic strip in particular, the Taylor Swift Kanye one. And that's when everybody was like, I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious, right? And everybody was like, nah. I think this is probably the comic strip I probably maybe like. 70, 80% of the mm-hmm. audience is like, nah, you fell off on that one, right? Um, but other than that, like, if I get negative 
um, feedback on my artwork, on my comic strip. Like, there's always a comment we're saying, like, oh, you should have did this. Or I think, like, on the, the um, Meghan Markle Harry one, right, I was getting a lot of, you know, good feedback. I was getting a lot of bad feedback on it, right? And it just depends on what the context is. But um, two things I realized. One is that I start seeing way more positive feedback than negative feedback. And so I'm like, everybody has their opinion, right? But I'm seeing that more people love it, mm-hmm. so I assume that I did something right. And then I also have um, uh, the second thing, my uh, cousin Lincoln, shout out to Lincoln, um, he brought up a good point. I think he said back when Stuart Scott was alive, um, Stuart Scott posted something. And all these people were like, you know, praising him, giving him compliments about something. And then there was one negative comment. And I think my, my cousin even like said something positive on his page. That one negative comment, out of everything that was on there, Stuart Scott responded to that one comment that was negative. Wow. And my cousin was like, why would you ignore all this positive energy coming towards you and give energy towards that one negative feedback? And he said, he said that made him feel, that made my cousin feel some kind of way. And so him telling me that made me realize, like, if I do start seeing negative comments like that, I'll just go past them. Either um, I go past them or I just joke with them. They say something negative, I'll just throw in a joke. I think like with the Meghan Markle, Harry, Prince Harry one, someone was like, is that Cardi B? And I was like, Cardi Markle? Like, you know, like, <laughs> like something like that, or Markle B? Right. Everybody, and then that comment, people started liking that joke that I mm. made. So I'm like, just have fun with it. Like, right, right. Don't you let them use get to it. You. Sounds like you use it to your advantage. Yeah. You make light of it and not take it so serious. Yeah, exactly. Or like, so just skip it. Like, yeah, that's true. I, so, I even like them sometimes. Like, boom, here you go. I don't, it, yeah, just it's a, somebody's opinion. Don't harp on the negativity mm-hmm. if you've done something great. So now, earlier, we talked about the thought that goes into you creating your work. Mm-hmm. What level or how much emotion goes into that? Mm. I can say for the Kobe Bryant art, like that was one that that hurt a lot. I remember when the news first came out and you start seeing people like making the artwork. I'm gonna start tearing up. <laughs> That's how crazy it was, right? <laughs> so making the artwork and I was like, I didn't want to draw anything because it hurt that bad. I didn't want to draw anything. It took me, I think, hearing the news early that day to that night where I was like, all right, I think I'm ready. And I remember I wanted to do like four pieces. Um, I ended up only doing one. Then I was going to do another one with Kobe and Gianna in it. No, I was going to do a comic strip one, right? And I was drawing it. I was inspired. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I felt like the comic strip that I was going to create wasn't going to be good enough to, you know, to honor his legacy, him and his daughter and the people who, who died in the, in the helicopter crash. And then I was like, all right, I want to do another you know, piece of artwork. And this one's going to be, you know, the uh, infamous picture of Dwayne Wade running. Yeah. And you have the guy, uh, have LeBron dunking. Yeah. And so I was going to do that with LeBron. I mean, I mean, with Kobe and Gigi. And I believe it was yesterday or, or the day before that where an uh, artist, I don't know who the artist was. I saw it on Twitter, the person to give credit to it. That's another thing. Please credit the creators, credit the artists. Yes. Please yes. do because it's not easy work, right? right? That's one thing we, like, that goes a long way. It doesn't hurt just to, to act. Or to not crop out the person's name, like right. Even when I did the Meghan Markle art, 
my work, I, I, didn't, I don't even put my, my handle on my artwork because I feel like that takes away from the artwork. I just put my signature and people will crop out my signature. I'm like, that's not that's crazy. Yeah, let's <laughs> give credit, right? So anyway, yeah. with this artist, I saw the artist do the same thing and um, beautifully done, it went viral and I was still going to create the art because I was still sketching and planning it, but, and I was going to drop it and then I was going to drop his art and say, you know, great minds think alike. But even then, I was like, you know what? I'm not feeling this anymore. Like, this person did, the person created this artwork already. It's great, you know, um, it paid respect to them. There's no reason for me to, to recreate it, right? And now it's almost like, not even, I think I, I did a sketch of Gigi the other day. And, like, just kind of seeing her face, 13-year-old girl trying to, you know, her passing away, trying to draw her. Um, made me feel some kind of way, you know, felt kind of hurt, like it's unreal. Then seeing, when you see a picture of Gigi, you see one of her and Kobe together, and I'm like, how do I look at these, you know what I mean, and continue yeah. drawing. Yeah. Um, but still, I, I, I try to push through, but then I was like, with all the amazing artwork that's come out so far, from illustrations, paintings, murals, I'm like, what else can I do right now that would be powerful enough to honor their memory? And at this point, I don't have anything. And so I just stepped back and I was like, you know what? Maybe this one Kobe Bryant art I did mm-hmm. is good enough for right now. If something else comes to me later, I'll do it. But until then, I'm just going to just just stop. Yeah. Like, yeah. So is that the emotion getting in the way of the actual creation? Yeah. And it's more because um, I'm inspired to create something. But I don't right now, I don't feel like I can think of anything strong enough, you know, that, to kind of stand apart. From, it, from what's already out. Out there, yeah. Strong enough to, to honor their legacy. Remember we were talking about like giving a story, what the yep. story's going to be? And there's been so many stuff done. I'm like, what can I do that's different? Mm. What can I do? I just draw something regular and just draw it? But and that, that's another thing, me putting so much on myself. Yeah. Of saying like, do I have to stand out? Do I have to be different? And um, So has this happened before with you? Absolutely, I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, a lot of work that I do is either I'm just drawing somebody to post it so I can get better at drawing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I just like a, um, a photo they were in. I was like, this is a dope photo. Yeah. Or it's me trying to tell a story. I think I did a drawing of um, uh, Zendaya from Euphoria. She, I think my favorite episode of Euphoria was Detective Rue. And that's when she was like wearing the suspenders. And she was like a detective, right? She was like going around the school trying to figure out what's going on with her mm-hmm. and her friend. And I was like, it would be dope to actually show Zendaya in this character almost like she's in an interrogation room, right? Mm. That's something different. Where before, like, I've sketched Zendaya, like, who knows how many times. Just her, like, wearing, like, her her red dresses because she's known for, like, bomb red, wearing red all the time. She's always looks good in it. And I've drawn that so many times, but it wasn't anything that stood out to me, like, okay, do I want to complete this image and actually make it something other than a sketch? But when I saw that episode Euphoria, when she's Detective Rue, I said, this is what I really want to make and make this into something. So whatever I try to do, um, I try to have fun with it, try to make it different, set it apart, if it isn't just a bomb picture that I saw of someone. Okay, that's good. So you you often refer to yourself as a geek. Yeah. 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 In what ways w- would you say that you're a geek? And and also, what advantages do you have because of your geekiness? Um, I'm a geek. One, I love anime. I think if you love anime, you're automatically put into a geek category. Like, 
off the back, right? Um, I'm, I'm not even the biggest anime <laughs> lover. Like, my, I have my cousin who's a bigger one. Um, and it's crazy because I always uh, tell my friends about black geeks. Uh-huh. And not, you know, when people make fun of geeks, they're like, oh, how you doing? What's going on? <laughs> right? But my cousin's like, bro, did you see what what Deku did? Like, oh my God, like Deku went hard. And like, you talk like you talk with your homeboys, your partners. Like, that's how a lot of us talk. Like, I have other people in my geek circles. I remember, this is like a, um, this is messed up. But I remember in one of my geek group chats, and we were like, if the Flash was black, would he run faster? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, it's, it's so because of like, like I always joke about stuff like that. Like you know, like black geeks seeing like the Batmobile, be like, "Yo, you see them rims on that? Yeah. I went the hell out there." <laughs> like it's stuff like that, right? So, um, but this being a geek is, is incredible. Like I've loved superheroes since who knows when. Like Superman mm-hmm. being my favorite superhero, and then going to the Flash. You know, I remember in middle school getting off the bus and running home to get the last catch the last five minutes of Dragon Ball Z. Mm. Right, where Goku's just powering up like for like ten episodes. Yeah, it's <laughs> always right. Um, just like Comic Con, like going to Comic Con, going to comic convention, seeing people in their cosplay, and just taking pictures with them, like being fans. Like me, just having nothing but like cartoon superhero shirts. Mm-hmm. Right, um, that's just something that I love, and 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 and, uh, and this is a part of me. And that, that also hurts when it comes to me selling like artwork and merchandise. What do you mean hurts? Um, because I've gotten from all sides of saying when I sell my artwork, I need to raise my prices. Okay. Like I've even heard this from, um, I don't, I, I was on the phone with her one day. Somebody put me on the phone with this woman. She's out of New York and she works in a museum. She does like curations. She's seen my work and she was like, your prices are too low. Mm. Cause my posters were going for like $20. What? 2030. <laughs> Like twenty thirty right now in twenty 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 thirty like my exclusive art twenty thirty dollars the Megan Marco art the twenty five the twenty five exclusive prints only selling for fifty dollars. You see, like and right yeah, we gotta talk. <laughs> Just so I'm seeing your faces. <laughs> see, that's the faces I would, see. That's the faces I would get right, and so it's one of those things that because I come from the geek world, I'll go to comic cons. And I'll see these incredible artists, like my mentor, like it's an incredible co- comic book artist, Robert, um, I say Robert, um, Rod Thornton, mm-hmm. right? Incredible. And he will, he will sell his artwork for like buy one, get the second one for like $10. So his poster will go for like $20, buy a second poster for like $10, uh-huh. right? And you go to Comic Cons and you'll see people's artwork, they're so like inexpensive. Mm. Because it's not about how much you want to sell it for, or what you feel like you're worth. It's about letting the community afford it and everybody have it, mm. right? So my mentality is still: I want everybody to have this work, mm-hmm. and so it's hard for me to put a um, a higher price on it. And like I've had talks with my brother. My brother's like, "Yo, you tripping? Like yeah. you need to start making it." Even uh, his wife was like. You need to start making exclusive work and start selling things for like fifteen hundred dollars. You know what? It's funny, and not to get too far off topic, but I think that model works Mm -hmm. if there's because that can be like your your lost leader, right? So if you had another vertical or or another um, company or business 
where you giving away this art yeah. can lead people to. Uh-huh. Let's say you had you were making cartoons, right? Yeah. And you wanted people to subscribe to your cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Give the art away. Here, five dollars to get them acclimated to your content, which would drive them to them subscribing to your show. Yeah. But if all you have is the art, like that is your your business. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me I need to up my prices. If if you're gonna stay there. But let okay. So so if you if you're hearing this, this is this is the talk that changed my fifty dollar work <laughs> to a hundred dollars or two hundred but, but let's because at, of you. Let let's look at it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, let's look at it from this perspective. Yeah. Earlier you said you create a piece and you're drained. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Like you're wiped out. Yeah. So you being wiped out, what does that prevent you from doing in that moment or in that day? From working. Continue making From working, work. from creating, mm-hmm. from, um, I don't know if you have kids or not, but let's just say you no did. Kids. Great. Yeah. If you did, you're, you don't have any energy for them. Yeah. Maybe you miss out on some events because you're tired now. Mm-hmm. And you give that work up for $20, mm-hmm. you put all that energy and effort and you missed out on so much mm. and got what minimal in return. It's true. Like, so from that perspective, it's like, yeah, you do need to go up. Um, and maybe your, your, your pieces that don't require that much thought, mm-hmm. $20 mm-hmm. is good. And, and the Meghan Markles and, and, and the Serena and the Jay-Z and beyond the higher end. Mm-hmm. Yes. You got to scale up. Or, see, now I'm in business mode now. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad you brought this up because that's one thing as creatives, mm-hmm. we're terrible at business. Yeah. Right. We're all about create, create, create. We don't want to deal with the business side. Right. Right. Like I have a friend, um, her name's Sierra. She owns a boutique, um, Babes and Feline. And I'll go to her office and we'll do like work dates, right? Where mm-hmm. she's working on her stuff. I'm working on my stuff. And I remember this when I was selling my holiday sweatshirts. And she was like, why haven't you dropped your, your, um, your newsletter yet for your sweatshirts? Why haven't you did this yet? Why haven't you dropped this? You need to do this. You need to see your account. You need to boom. And I'm like, I don't operate like that. Yeah. She's like, I'm all business. Right? And right. I'm like, I just want to create. Yeah. But her boyfriend is creative. So it was like uh, they work hand in hand. So she yeah. don't have to worry about the creative part when it comes to, even, I'm not saying she's not creative, but I'm saying, but he's more the, more the, the creator, right, creative right. Um, mindset. And she's more the business mindset. Mm-hmm. And so if you're saying you're about to get into business mode, like, this is what I need to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so you have shirts, right? Yeah. Okay. Give the artwork away. Mm-hmm. $5, $10, what have you. And you can do smaller prints. Mm-hmm. Maybe if they want a, a bigger size, like a portrait to hang on their wall, mm-hmm. that one's more expensive. But the smaller ones, yeah, maybe. And then on the back of it, say, hey, buy, buy the sweatshirt or the hoodie or the hat. Mm-hmm. And then those, you scale the price up. So instead of selling like the sweater you have on, maybe today you would sell that sweater for fifty dollars, mm-hmm. but now you sell it for one seventy five. Mm-hmm. You sound like my brother. <laughs> but but you, you gave the art away, so people people have mm-hmm. your product in your hand. It ends up being the lost leader. Does that make sense? That makes a lot. You sound. When I say you sound like my brother. My brother's like you need to make exclusive shirts. So this is also a thing that I run into because I'm always big on quality, right? Mm-hmm. Where. Um, I don't like selling shirts that came from Gildan, right? Yeah. But that's pretty much the only one you can really get because yeah. you find out a lot of these other places, 
they get their stuff made in China. Yeah. Right? Cheap. Cheap, right? But the quality's better because you, you can't you can't be you can't be a uh a, a clothing brand. You can't have the same quality that Saks has. Right. But you realize they don't make their stuff here. They don't order it here, right? Yeah. And I've even had like I've I've done where I was trying to make, you know, um shirts like, you know, exclusive tees. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend out here who owns like a vintage shop where she can take the clothes and soften it up and make it feel like it came from like Barney's or something like mm. that. But when it gets rewashed, you start seeing the defects where like the sleeves start messing up uh, or the collars start messing up. And I said, there's no way I can sell this to people. Yeah. Right. So it's always about my quality. So that's also what stops me from doing exclusive like apparel. Okay. Or, um, or exclusive like prints. Yeah. Right. A lot of my prints and stuff that I do now, um, they're on demand printing from like Printful, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But that's why when that Megan and Harry artwork, like I said, the guy I, I, I print with the, um, out there in Houston, because I worked with him so much and I know his, I've been to his, his, his warehouse, I've seen his quality. That's why I still, even though I live in Los Angeles, I still go to him and pay for him to ship the stuff here. Mm-hmm. That's why I was pissed when I came back and saw that my package was stolen yeah. because that's me on quality. And seeing that my quality was gone. Okay. Right? And I was like, this is the result of me doing, of, of trying to do exclusive things to give people what I feel like they deserve. Got you. Got you. Yeah, man. It's, you know, it's a process. Yeah. We just got to keep keep going. A yeah. few more questions. All right, cool. Uh, what makes a leader great and iconic, in your opinion? Ooh, I like this question. Um, I've heard this phrase before. It says... How can I say? Um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to remember how it's worded. I don't want to George Bush this. <laughs> um, it goes, um, I think a manager does the right thing. A leader does what's right. That makes sense? So in a sense, it's like if you have a rule book, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I need to follow these rules because that's the way we're supposed to do it. But if you're like, but that's not right. That's not the right thing to do. We need to go outside of this and actually do the, the right thing. I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like with everything going with, with the politics, right? With the, the whole Trump impeachment mm-hmm. where you have the Democrats versus Republicans. And of course, depending on whether you like Trump or you hate Trump, you're going to be biased no matter what, right. right? Me being a person who is on the side of the Democrats, and when I look at what the Republicans were doing in the Senate, I was like, you're not, you're not being a leader right now. Mm-hmm. You're not doing what is right. Yeah. By saying you're not calling up witnesses, by having this man's back, even though he's um, said such and such and this, this and this, right? Mm-hmm. Whether he's done good things or bad things, a lot of these bad things have outweighed the good. Mm-hmm. But you're allowing this, you're allowing this force to, to dictate, you know, your decisions and what you're doing, right? And that's with anything, right? Um, doesn't matter who it is. The fact that you have to be able to look um, beyond what you necessarily feel is the right thing to do. Right. I mean, it's the right way to do it, and you need to do, you just need to do it right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. What leaders do you look up to and admire? Um, 
LeBron James. Um, I love the fact that he's shown um, when a lot of um, African-American athletes were too afraid to be vocal, he was somebody who was like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, around our age, he's like, I don't care. I'm going to speak on politics. I'm going to speak on, you know, um, the African-American community. Um, he pretty much restructured the way the NBA operates. Yeah. Like, that's why it doesn't operate. The NFL and the NBA are so different because yeah. – LeBron James has literally given power to the players. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, now not only that, I'm going to be a voice for education. Right. Yeah. Um, he's, I'm going to be a, a voice for, you know, a, a good family man. Mm-hmm. Right. He's showing literally as a young black man that he's changing the narrative of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's beautiful. You know, yeah. what he's able to, to do for us and show us. So that's somebody I see as a leader. Um, that's cool. Yeah, you you sure? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, that's perfect. That was you, that was well said. Yeah. Final question. Uh, this is called the tabula rasa, uh-huh. which stands for blank slate. Uh-huh. So you being the artist, uh-huh. you have a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. You have all the colors you can possibly want or need, and on this canvas, you're going to draw, architect your life. You're going to design it the way you see. Mm-hmm. Now, you've done everything that you have ever dreamed of that you've desired. Mm-hmm. You've uh, made millions, billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You've inspired the world through your artwork. You've told stories. You've created TV shows, uh, comics, on and on and on. You're global. Yeah. You've gotten married. You've had kids. You, everything. Yeah. Complete. Coming back to this blank canvas, what picture do you paint for your life? Damn, you got what, deep. All right. <laughs> um, huh. And what are the colors that you use? What picture do I paint? Um, hmm. This would be, I don't know how I would do it, but I would probably paint. I can see myself like painting my face, like my my head, um, and composed of it would be all the people who have influenced me and helped me along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, my family, my friends, people in the business, um, people who inspire me, LeBron James, Stanley. Um, you know, um, everything just is like help me out, and just using those people to make a composition of me, I think would be perfect. I can always say that without them, I probably wouldn't be where I am right now. Because mm. when I have a lot of doubts, they're the ones who have my back, the ones who assure me the way. Like my family, I'm really um, big on um, always giving my family credit because they probably believe in me more than anybody. More than I believe in myself. No, the fact that I'm the youngest, I consider myself the black sheep. I'm the one who quit his job, no, to become an artist. You know what I mean? Right. Moved to Los Angeles on the whim. Wow. Um, And they're constantly supporting me and telling me I can do it. Um, Even saying you're going to be more successful than all of us. Mm. Right. And so again, my my parents being immigrants and, and pushing me and stealing me to keep doing what I'm doing and never give up. So. 
definitely the people in my life I can see myself them being the main part of that composition that creates me. That's yeah. that's great. Yeah. Draw that. Yeah. <laughs> For real. And make that your shirt. Woo. That'd be the only scary <laughs> thing about that is that we leave one that one person off. <laughs> nah, it, it'll be like that tribe called Quest picture. Like you really gotta look into it. That'll be so I'm gonna do it one day. Yeah. Me, I'm gonna do that one day. Yeah. That'd be probably, dope. That'll probably be my master. If I do that, I'll probably be like the last thing I ever draw. Yeah. That'll be or, my going out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like that. <laughs> just, just draw the picture. <laughs> but man, listen, I want to thank you. I want to salute you. Thank you man. for your work, your the energy that you put out into the world and you wanting to um, tell stories, not just your story, but yeah. the stories of others and make people think. And it's it's needed in this time, you know, um, so I, I appreciate everything that you're doing. And I know you're going to go to even higher heights than where you are now. Thank you, man. Oh, you're welcome. And, and, this, and this was great. This is probably one of the best interviews, podcasts that I've been on. Really? I'm, I'm dead. Like, I haven't been on, been asked these questions before. Wow. This is, and this really made me think. And then it, it has my brain churning. So I appreciate it. This is beautiful. Uh, I love you're it. You're yeah. welcome, man. It's, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah. Um, I want to open the floor up so you can put your information out so people can get that work. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> where, where can they buy your prints, your shirts? All right. um, if you want to find me, you can find me on my Instagram. That's OBRS. Twitter, OBRS, when I talk a little more reckless. Um, <laughs> on my Facebook, OBRS Art. And you can go to my website. That's www.obrs.com. That's spelled O-B-I-A-R-I-S. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Great, great. Any um, questions or anything you want to ask me? I don't know, man. You got me thinking. <laughs> I'm sweating over this. <laughs> this was dope, man. I, I really love this. Oh, man, thank you. Thank you for coming. And again, shout out to Mint Magazine for this uh, beautiful opportunity to do this interview with you. Yeah. Appreciate all you guys. Obi, Aris, we're out. Yes, sir. Peace. Obviously, Obi is more than an artist. His three-step process for maintaining humility, which consists of number one, surrounding yourself with the right people. Number two, strive to be better. And lastly, stay grounded. These are pillars we should all keep close and follow. Let's fully utilize our gifts and talents even more so. Take our charge and lead up. If you would like to have custom artwork made or need an artist to design for you, please reach out to Obi Aris on social media at O-B-I-A-R-I-S or check out his website at www.obiaris.com. Special thanks to Mint Magazine for making this interview possible. Learn and gain insight on today's movers and shakers as well as other business leaders by going to www.mintinc-usa.com or follow them on Instagram at mintincusa. Thank you to all of our sponsors and donors. If you're interested in contributing to the cause of leadership development, please go to the bottom of the Lead Up podcast description and click the donate link. Thank you for listening and remember, keep 
leading up.